0: So my question for you this morning to think about is this, is it more important to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to people in your life, or is it more important to live a godly life before people in your everyday? Is it more important to share the gospel, or is it more important to live a godly life in front of people? And considering that same question, the Christian author Barry Cooper, he tells a story of, of two men, and the first man is, uh, he works for a company and everybody loves him, he's the, he's the kind of guy that you would, you would love to be your co-worker, he was hard working, he was nice, he did all his work with integrity, he was on time, he really genuinely cared about his co-workers and, and about their lives, and people knew that they were cared for by him. And he worked for this company for a number of years, and they had a little going-away party for him. And it was at that going-away party that he realized that, as a Christian, he might have missed an opportunity. And they were, they were out for a meal, and his coworkers were giving little speeches and, and, and uh, little tributes to him, and they said, you know, you're the best coworker, and we've loved working with you, and we were just talking before this meal, you know, what is it about you that makes you different? and makes you special. We we were talking about that and we've decided we, we we figured it out. You must be a Buddhist. There was uh, another man worked for a company. He was a, a hard working guy, a good guy. Uh, he was but he, everybody in the office knew that he was a Christian and it was very clear. He had he would speak of his church and of Jesus, and he had little Bible verses up in his office. So people, it, him and maybe a couple other people in the office, they were the Christians for sure. And, but, but what he did was that, like everyone else in the office, he would cheat on his expense reports to his own advantage. But that's just kinda, that was just kind of how things went. That was just the culture of that workplace. So I ask again, what's more important is it important that you speak the gospel the good news of Jesus with people or is it more important to live a godly life before people and I hope you can see from this story that it's not one or the other that as God is at work in our hearts we have a, a good news message that we are we need to speak to the world around us and we also uh, it is in us transforming us And it is bringing about increasing holiness and goodness in our life. And and we know those are good things and we want those things. Yet, somehow, it seems that we either get stuck silent or we get stuck in sin and we just can't move forward in these things. And um, these things damage our testimony and uh, we get stuck there. So I want to consider that today for those of you who have experienced the gospel, who have experienced God's transforming love and have gotten stuck on either of those levels, or both, perhaps. If you are not a Christian today, if you, if you, are not, you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, perhaps uh, you're tagging along this morning or you're just exploring faith in Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm glad that you're here, and I actually don't want you to become a Christian without hearing what we're going to talk about today. Because if you were to put your faith in Jesus Christ, which I hope you would do, but if you were to do that, that means you are transferring lordship of your life. Saying, I am no longer in control. You are in control of my life. And that is a a reality that will transform you. It is a reality that will put you into a spiritual battle of good and evil as God is making something new. God does not just want to make you better, God does not just want to make you nicer, God wants to make you new. And when you begin that, it it creates this battle, but it will transform your life, and through you can transform your world for God's glory. So I want you to consider that this morning. Uh, We are continuing our study in the book of Philippians. It's a very tender letter, a very personal letter, that was written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And he had planted that church and had been away from them. They have heard that he is in trouble. He is in prison again. And he writes them this letter to encourage them in their faith and and give some updates about what was going on. And we're in a section of this letter where the Apostle Paul is encouraging this church to live a life that is... He says, worthy of the gospel, to live a life that is in line with the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And this sort of concludes out that section of the letter. So I want to look at two ways that we live this way of life in line with what Jesus has done. And these two ways are going to be work out and hold out. So that's sort of our two um, ways. We'll, we'll get into each of those. Work out, hold out. Let's pray as we do this. Father God, as we sit here in this room, we are people who acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge that you are present with us, that you desire to do something in and through us, yet we we know there are things that hold us back, Lord. Our own sin, our own stubbornness, um, even the spiritual forces of evil, We, we just pray in the name of Jesus that whatever is holding us back, that you would break through and that you would do your good work in and through us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, the first way of life that flows from God's work through the gospel is is this. Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work out your salvation. That's, that's your job, Christian, is to work this thing out. Now notice right away, it does not say work for your salvation. Uh, you, can't, you cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn God's rescuing and saving work in your life. Uh, when you put your faith in Jesus, God is extending his grace to us. But, and I apologize if I've, if I've ever explained this to you poorly, or if anybody in the life of this church has ever explained Uh, The good news of Jesus. We often talk about it in terms of uh, the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and that is true. And sometimes we look at it, for example, if you had a little chalkboard here, we're all sinful, and your sins are written on the chalkboard. And some of us have two chalkboards, you know, with all of our sins (laughs) written on it. And we look at Jesus' death on the cross, he took the punishment for those sins, and so he wipes those slates clean. You have three slates. (laughs) So he wipes them all clean, and then we get a fresh start. And that's true, but that is only half of the good news. That is only half of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is not only are our sins erased, but Jesus' righteousness is written in on those same slates. So God credits to us, as we put our faith in Jesus, he credits us with Jesus' righteousness. And now our lives are just a, that's a reality. Now our lives is a matter of working out what it means to be credited this way, living a life that's in line with the fact that God has considered us righteous. The word we use for this is sanctification. It's about becoming increasingly holy and increasingly good as God is at work in our hearts. And it's a very practical thing. We are just, our lives are just coming into line with our status before God. That is sanctification. That is working out our salvation. Now, the fact that God has freely given us this transaction where he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness does not remove your responsibility to work hard, to uh, be active in your life of faith. in Basically, obedience, living according to God's word, according to his plan for your life. And the words, as you read the Bible... And it talks about the faith of the believer. It's very active language. Language like pressing on, following after, fighting the good fight, running the race. It's, it's almost never, if ever, passive language of our faith. You know, just God does his thing and you just have no part. But very active um, working out of that. And we do so with as the text says, with fear and trembling, that God is great and he's done something in me. And now, because of his greatness and his love for me, consider this, the God of the universe wants to extend his love and his grace to you. He made everything, he He holds everything in his hands, yet you, sinful you, sinful me, God God wants to do a good work. And that just creates this uh, reverent fear and trembling to want to obey Him and to please Him. And our obedience flows out of this connection to God. Now, it's not just the fear and trembling. And kids, this might make sense to you. And and this is the way my uh, predecessor, Pastor Jack Daniel, some of you knew him. Uh, Pastor Jack would explain it like this. He said, when he was a kid, his job was to cut the grass or else. You cut the grass or else. And he didn't know what or else was, but he knew that he needed to cut the grass. So, kids, I don't know sometimes if your parents say, you know, you need to clean your room or else. So you just, you just clean your room because you don't want to find out what that is. And that's kind of how he approached his uh, cutting of the grass. But as he got older, when he was a teenager, he realized that he could cut the grass and make money. So he would, get, he would cut the grass, or else, and then he would go to the neighbors and knock on the door and say, hey, I'll cut your grass. He'd cut the grass and he'd get paid, and he made a little neighborhood business out of this. He this is fantastic. And he really enjoyed cutting the grass to make money. Now he's retired, and he owns a tractor, and he, he's up in Maine, and he says, look, now I'd cut the grass just because I love to cut the grass. Nice straight rows, a well-cared-for lawn, and it just brings me joy to cut the grass. And I say, that makes no sense to me. (laughs) I do not share this joy. But what I do share, uh, what I think might be similar, is my uh, love of music. So when I was a kid, I had to practice the piano because my parents said, You have to practice the piano because we paid good money for those piano lessons. They paid good money, not as if there was some pile of bad money that they could have used (laughs) to pay for my piano lessons, but we paid good money for those lessons and you're gonna practice. Okay. But later, when I was a teenager, I took up playing guitar because my good friend took up playing guitar and I had a number of friends who were into music and it connected us to each other. It helped our friendship. And we thought somehow that Girls liked when you play the guitar and sing. And they, that was somehow going to help our uh, friendships and, and, and social life. So, uh, so we took up, there was benefit to playing music at that point uh, in our lives. Now, not because anybody is, is, would force me to, not anybody's even around to see it. When I am alone, I'll pick up the guitar and I'll play and I'll sing just for the sheer joy of, just, of music. And in the same way in our faith, yes, God is great, and we want to obey Him, and, and it, but it's not, you know, you have to obey God or else, because we already have experienced that God extends His grace to us because of what Jesus has done. And we don't just obey, you know, to get something from God. Oh, I'm going to be obedient to God's law, and somehow God will then bless me or bless my business or my family with health or something like that. There is great blessing... And being obedient to God. But we come to a point where we realize God's love. And we, it is our joy to obey. We realize that God has set out a pattern of life that is good and proven. And it, and it does benefit us. And it does give him glory. And it's just right. So we obey just out of the sheer joy of being obedient. And this this is for our good and for his pleasure. God is a God who hates sin. And God is a God who loves holiness. And he has given us a path to grow and be obedient and be holy. So here for us, this is what we do. How do you need to pursue holiness in your life? What sin in your life do you need to fight against? Is it an integrity issue? An addiction issue? Is it a money or a generosity issue? Is it a truth-telling issue? Is it a gossip issue or an anger issue? What is it? Or you could just look at the example here. You know, we're, we're working out our, our salvation. Look at verse 14. Here's, here's one. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. You could start there. So go, when you leave here this week, just go the whole week, just, just this week, everything you do without grumbling or arguing the whole week, and see how that goes. See how long you get. The point here is that we, we all need to work this out, what God is doing. And remember that it is God's work. Look at verse 13, okay, we work out our salvation. With fear and trembling, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Remember that as you pursue this and as you fall short, that God's grace is right there to prompt us and to will us to act in according to, um, to his way. And look at the result of this, verse 15. So that We do this so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped, and crooked generation. You know, we can live this way of life, and it's hard, but we, we do it because it is, God is using it through us to shape a really broken and crooked and warped world around us. And we can bring His goodness into those places. This is a... this is And notice in verse 14, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. This isn't just so we can be nicer to each other at church, but everything that you set your hand to, that God cares about those things. And that you can do them in a way that honors him and brings him glory and joy. So the, the way to start this is just to search your, ask God to search your own heart. To just pray. God, how is it? Maybe it's not fighting sin. Maybe it's a, a goodness that you could pursue. You could pray the prayer of Psalm 139. Uh, where it says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just ask God to show you what is the the sin in my life that I'm getting stuck on or what is the the goodness that I can pursue as you are working in me. And if you don't know if through prayer you can't discern what those sins are, just ask your spouse or ask a good friend, what are my sins? What are my shortcomings? You know, you know, haha, that's funny, but it's true that God knows our heart better than our heart, and sometimes people who love us can see our blind spots better than we can see them. You know, we, we confess our sins to God, but we are also called to confess our sins to one another. Uh, James chapter 5 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Th- that God has not just left us alone in this, or it's not just this personal me and God thing, because okay, it's my sin, and my sin is dirty, so I don't want to, like it's just, you know, me and God privately sort of dealing with that. But there's healing that we experience as we confess our sins with each other and help each other pursue goodness and holiness. So that's how we work out our salvation, work out. Second thing is we hold out. Now this is about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Look at verse 15b, or the end of 15. Then you will shine light among them, like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of truth. As we live this way of life, we are um, we are shining in a dark world. We are like stars in, that shine into a darkness. And this word in the Greek, it's um, as you hold firmly, that word hold, translated to hold firmly, it's the word epeko in Greek. And it can mean hold firmly, but it can also mean hold forth. So some translations say hold hold tight or hold firmly. and other translations would say hold forward. What it doesn't mean is hold on to it and guard it from a dark world. It's actually about holding tight to something that you are holding forward for the world to see. This is where it's not just living a good holy life, but also holding forward this good news about Jesus. So we can share it. We have something to share with the dark world. So we speak the gospel. And we must speak Romans 10 says faith comes from hearing the message you know our living a good life and a holy life is good but it just gives you a platform from which to speak the good news of Jesus because faith comes from hearing the message we have to speak these things go hand in hand but this is also as we live this way of life this is where we get nervous quite honestly This is where we say, oh, I don't know where to start, or I don't know what to say to somebody about Jesus. How do I break the ice? How do I have a spiritual conversation with someone? And one place you could start is by listening, listening to people speak, hearing their ideas, asking them what what they believe and how they feel about things. As the more you listen to people, the more they may become curious. Well, what is it that you believe? And you can ask people, in my, uh, yeah, my good friends Tim and Dan, they taught me this. I I always hold on to this. They said two questions you always keep in your back pocket. The first one is, what do you mean by that? So when somebody says something about God, oh, God would never do such and such. Or God always, whatever, you say, um, what do you mean by that? God would never. Or God would Or if somebody says Oh such and such is a sin What do you mean by sin And the second question The follow up question is How did you come to that conclusion Oh God would never do this Well what do you mean What do you mean by God what do you, And then how did you come to that conclusion And when you ask that type of a question It reveals what is authority In that person's life As, as Christians we believe what we believe about God Because God has revealed it to us in, in his word, in the world, but in, in the Bible, and ultimately through Jesus. We, as simple human beings, could not understand God, except to the extent that God has made it known. And so we have that authority, but people operate from all kinds of authority. So, what do you mean by that, and how did you come to that conclusion? Those are great uh, questions to ask. And then we just pray. God, would you open a door? That as, as you are doing your good work in me, might I hold forth, may I hold out this good news message. Would you, would you, as you start to pray for people in your life, people in your everyday, that God would open the door and see what God does with that. So we work out our salvation, we hold out this message, and then we shine like stars. Now here's some all-stars. The, uh, the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter, he gives examples of what this looks like. The first example is kind of a big one. He gives the example of Jesus. We looked at this last week. Jesus is the supreme example of obedience, that Jesus was obedient to take on human flesh and to be obedient to dying on a cross. That's ultimate obedience. Then the Apostle Paul gives himself as an example. In verse 17, he says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad, and I'll rejoice with you. He said, look, even if my life is poured out completely, even if I die, it's okay. Um, Because he said earlier in the letter, he said, for me to live is Christ, and to die would be gain, because I gain more Christ. So if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's Christ, and, and it's okay. So he can be obedient, because he is glad and rejoicing, to be part of God's work. Now there's two more examples in our text today. In verse 19 we have the example of Timothy. He says, I hope, in the Lord, verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So he's sending Timothy to go to Philippi to get good news and report it back to Paul. That sounds nice, except... If Paul, as we believe, is in a Roman prison, Philippi is 800 miles away in the first century. So Timothy's got to go 800 miles to Philippi to get a good report and travel 800 miles all the way back just to tell Paul how's how's it going at the church. 1,600 miles on foot or an animal or something. And this is a, just a sacrificial giving it all. The, The Famous British preacher of the turn of the 19th century, uh, his name was John Henry Jowett. He said this. He said, "Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. It's it's a way of life that God is working in us, and it can be costly. It can cost us all kinds of things, in terms of our relationships or our." whatever it is for you. But here, Timothy, a great example. And, and look at verse 20. He's, he's talking about Timothy saying, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. He's, this, is, this is a guy who was so devoted to other people and growing in humility and growing in selflessness. Verse 22, you know that Timothy has proved himself As a son with his father, he has served me with the good work of the gospel. And we know the Bible describes a lot of how Paul and Timothy were together at big moments when Paul was getting arrested or they both got arrested or they were planting a church in this or that town. But there's big gaps in Timothy's ministry. We have no idea what he was doing. Five-year gap of Timothy just living in obscurity. So whether he's in the action or he's behind the scenes, he has been faithful, it is proven, and this is just, this is a strong tested faith. And for us, you know, sometimes it's in the good times, sometimes it's in the bad times, but our faith is being tested and tried, and God is at work as we work out this thing he's doing in us and as we hold it out to the world in front of us. So Timothy's an all-star. The second all-star is Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus was some sort of spiritual leader in the church at Philippi. We're not totally sure. He might have been a pastor. He might have been the the head pastor there or some sort of leader. And the church in Philippi heard that Paul was in trouble. So they sent Epaphroditus with money and whatever other resources. And they told him to stay with Paul and help Paul to be okay in prison, to minister to his needs. And at some point during this time, Epaphroditus gets sick and he almost dies. He's so ill. And, you know, by the grace of God, his life was spared. They didn't have to go through the sorrow of losing a a friend in the ministry. But Paul says, I'm going to send him back to you. And look at how he speaks of them. Look at verse 25. It says, I think it necessary to send him back to you, Epaphroditus. My brother... Co-worker, fellow soldier, also a messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So this is a brother, so this is a deep relationship that he has with Paul. He's a co-worker, so serving together, and the, just the joy, even in a community like this, that God has called North Andover Campus of Free Christian Church to be servants together. Fellow soldiers realizing that we are at war as we do the work of the gospel, that we're in a spiritual battle. And the enemy does not like us, and we experience spiritual attack in our lives. And if you've never, if you've never experienced spiritual attack, you might want to ask, am I, am I even a soldier in this battle? If you're no threat to the enemy, the enemy would be happy to leave you alone. It's just a, just a question. He's also a messenger. We're all sent as messengers, you know, wherever you are, to bring the, the gospel across the world or across the street. We're going to talk about that next week. But we're, we're all messengers, and he is um, sent to minister to Paul's needs. He longs for you. This is, again, the ministry of the heart and this connection to his church. And um, What a beautiful endorsement that Paul gives about this man of Epaphroditus. What would people write about you? You know, you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It is, you're working out your salvation. You're holding out this message. If people were to speak of you, how would they describe that? Uh, just over a week ago, we had a memorial service for a man named Frank Chen. He was a member of our church. He worshiped at the Andover campus. He was an amazing guy. Uh, absolutely a brilliant man in his field but just a gentle and humble man and a man of faith in Jesus Christ. And everybody knew it. And people got up, one after another. Co-worker, talking about what it was like to work with Frank. A family member, how Frank had um, had uh, made sure that a niece, you know, whenever you visit, you're going to go to church with me and you need to bring your friends to church too. And he would encourage them in their faith. And uh, so friends and family members, a neighbor getting up and just speaking of This man's love for Jesus Christ and how wonderful of a neighbor he was. And, you know, the question for us, someday people are going to stand up and and make those same comments perhaps for us. What will people say about our lives? If you're not a Christian this morning, um, I would encourage you at the end of our service, we'll have prayer over that direction by that Davis... uh, plaque there on the wall um, to to pray with someone and I encourage you if you want it God desires to make you new and to to cleanse you from that sin and to credit you with Jesus' righteousness and to bring this about in you but it's not just for you it is but it's also for the world around you and you can change the world around you as you as you work this out and as you hold it out in your everyday life. So I encourage you, listen, don't, um, don't go it alone. You can't do it anymore on your own. It's God's work in you, and I encourage you to do that. So I, I wanna ask you the question again that I started with. Is it more important to share the gospel, to speak the good news of Jesus Christ with people in your life, or is it more important to live a godly life before people As God works in and through you, may we be people who work out the reality of that in obedience to God and hold out the good news of Jesus to the world. And may that be for God's glory. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough to reach into our darkness and our sin and bring forgiveness and healing and newness of life. May we... Out of gratitude to you, may it be our joy to live holy and obedient lives. And when we fall short, may we just know that your grace is right there. May we receive it again and continue to pursue your way. Father, I pray as a church that we would all do that. And that it would change the places where we work and the places where we go to school. I pray that it would change the lives of these children who are in this room. Of every adult in this room. That you would continue to do your good work. to to help us to to pursue this with all of our hearts. We pray it for our global partners in the same way that they would, uh, as, as they do their good work in and around New England and across the globe, that your kingdom would advance as your people are obedient to what you've called them to. And for those who are not connected to us, who are proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, I pray that they would be blessed and that your kingdom would advance in a, in a dark world, Lord. And we experience that darkness, Lord, as we leave this place. We know that we'll face difficulty, some of us facing challenges, hurt relationships, struggles at work, illnesses, uh, wh- whatever stresses come our way, Lord, but you are still good in the midst of those things. And we, we pray your healing work and your blessing over those things that we might cling to you, that we might hold fast to you through whatever we experience, Lord. Be our comfort. Be our source. Be our power, Lord, to live this. We pray all these things to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.